0: Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at KingsgateHobbs.com. And the title of the series is The Real Jesus. Would everybody go ahead and turn your ringers off, turn your phones off, do whatever you have to do. I heard a few phones going off. Hey, man, that's all right. It's over. We're going to move on but I don't want those going off during the service. I believe God has something special for you, something powerful for you. He wants to talk to you today. I believe there's something in this message for everybody. How many of you know that the Word has something for everybody? It does. The Word has something for everybody. Now, in talking about Jesus, we see that He showed up in time, and He actually physically divides history. Depending on how you look at it, Most of us say we measure time in B.C., before Christ, or A.D., Anno Domini, the Latin words meaning in the year of our Lord. So he came and literally divided history before Christ and then after, really, or in the year of our Lord. So Jesus is important. He's important even historically. Even from a secular standpoint, he's important. Jesus signaled the fall of Jerusalem and the fall of Israel. He prophesied it. That was one of the major prophecies he made. And folks said, man, if this really happens like he said, he's got to be the Messiah. And it blew people away. He said, at a time where this sounded impossible, if you look at it historically, Jesus was born, he lived, and he began to say, do you see these stones here of this temple? Not one is going to be left on top of the other. People scoffed at him. They said, wait, how? Back in the day, at this point in history, this was probably the only point in, in that, that history for thousands of years, that era, that this prophecy could have come to pass in ancient warfare. And they believed, folks believed in Israel, they said, look, the walls of the city, the way it's set up, the way it's on a hill, it's unassailable. Nobody could touch this. So Jesus, pro- see God, the way he is, he's the God of the impossible, Right? He says things and he brings them forth and he allows them to happen and he knows what's going to happen. At that point in history, the Jews said, this is impossible. There is no way this can be broken through here. Who's going to attack us? Why would they attack us? And if they do, they can't get through. We've got enough food and water in here for years. We can hold off any army. We can outlast any siege. Historically speaking, from the carnal standpoint, they should have been right. But all because of Jesus, the real Jesus spoke and said, you see this? It's going to be a mess. People were crying for Jesus. He was, led, he was being led away to be crucified. And he said, daughters of Jerusalem, don't cry for me. Cry for yourselves. Cry for your future. You've got a lot to cry about. It's going to be a mess here. Well, guess what? About 30, 35 years after Jesus was crucified, guess what? Israel revolted against Rome, the most powerful, the most powerful empire, arguably in the history of the world. There's never been a, a, a nation or, or a, an empire quite like them. They would crush their enemies. They would, you you want to talk about colonizing? They would take over people. They were unstoppable on the battlefield. They'd get beaten and they'd lose their standard, which was an iron eagle, and they would throw lives and money and resources to go get back their Iron Eagle. They would go fight empires and and take captives over losing their standard in war. They were powerful. The prophet Daniel said they were the empire of iron. There had never been anything like them. Well, guess what? Of all times in history, it was during Jesus' prophecy that Israel rebelled against Rome. They were a colony of Rome at that time, and they rebelled. And it took some time. But all the impossible happened. Even... Within the city walls, when they were holding off the Roman army, Jews began to fight and kill each other and argue. And there was like a civil war that happened in the city. And things got set on fire and all kinds of problems. So they not only were defeated by the Romans, but they defeated themselves. And Jesus knew, the real Jesus. And there's so many other things that Jesus said. He also talked about how he came to save us from our sins. And he said, I've got to go to that cross. Well, that is the real Jesus. And this ties into my first point. I'm going to repeat this from last week. Point number one today, the real Jesus, he was very controversial. Controversial. There were things that were questionable, questionable about what he did, about what he said, his prophecies, the way he handled women. We talked last week how he was at a religious men's gathering. See, Judaism had made women like property. Your camel was worth more than a woman back in the day. That's terrible. We don't condone that. They were treated like slaves. They were treated worse than slaves. They were meant for bearing children and staying at home back in the day. That was not from Old Testament law. That was Judaism. That was orthodox Jewry. And in the middle of this culture, somebody helped a sister. Her phone is going off. (laughs) In the midst of this circumstance and this situation, women were treated as second-class citizens. Can you imagine that an immoral woman, a prostitute, so those of you that weren't here last week, you need to hear this, walks into a men's gathering where Jesus was invited to Simon's house and begins to kiss the feet of Jesus. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, even if I wasn't married, If I was preaching or if I was at one of y'all's house and a prostitute walked in and started kissing my feet, the first thing that would come to mind would be, hey, y'all, I don't know what sister's doing, man. God touched her, but there's nothing going on between us. I find it fascinating that Jesus jumped right over that. And he started to deal with everybody's hearts. He said, yeah, look at her heart. She was forgiven much, so she loves much. Yes, yeah, Simon, I came into the house. You didn't kiss me. She hasn't stopped kissing my feet. He jumped right over that. Never mentioned, there's nothing going on with us. He was controversial. Very controversial. He said he was God. The first time, and I'll get into this later in the series, maybe on a Wednesday we'll see what happens as God speaks to my heart. The first time he told anybody he was the Messiah was to a woman. How controversial is that? He not only said he was God, but he said it to a woman. And beyond her being a woman, she was a Samaritan woman. That was the first time in scripture where he said, oh yeah, I am the Messiah or the I am is here. I'm here in the flesh. Wow. Controversial. He talked to women. He he touched the unclean. Um, He did all kinds of stuff. His birth was controversial. So I wanted to remind you of all that. Jesus was very controversial. And it's interesting because his legacy, historically, is still controversial. Not to you and me, but to many people. They say, man, he came to take away the sins of the world. We know he was crucified. History can't can't argue that. But then he he said, I'm going to rise from the dead. And he did. I mean, he's just still a controversial figure. Even the fact that people have to face the cross and come to the cross to be saved and and believe in Jesus' sacrifice and confess Him as Lord and believe He rose again, it's still controversial to people. That's part of the legacy of God. God has always been controversial. The people He chooses, the men, the women, the children, the ones that He forgives, it's always been controversial. I remember a man of God years ago, he he said he was watching a preacher one time this, this minister to my heart, because he was so humble about it. This man of God preached about it later. He said he was watching a preacher, and he said, Man, I'd have never picked him to be a minister. You ever thought weird thoughts about people like that? He said, I'd have never picked him. Man looks on the outward, Scripture says, right? But God in his controversy, you know, he answered this, this minister, and he spoke directly to this minister's heart at a meeting. The minister that was sitting there, the pastor who was sitting there said, I would have never chosen that guy to be a, a man of God. God said, I didn't ask you. <laughs> I love how God speaks to us how we need to be spoken to. I always see God's humor when he deals with me. I see humor in lots of things, but I always feel like God's humor. And I've felt God's sternness. I've felt, man, I, I've gone, I feel like I've been through seasons even of God's judgment. That's a scary thing. But I I believe that God has even done interesting things that some of you would call quirky in speaking to me, where I've said things and thought I knew, and I could just feel God going, hmm, okay, we'll see. You know all that? We'll see. You were born what year? We'll see. So Jesus has always been controversial. He can't do that. Well, he's still doing it. He can't. Yeah, he shouldn't. He did. He's saving people. He's, He's controversial. He's amazing. Number two today, we got into this a little bit last week, and that is that Jesus is immovable. He's immovable. All right? Let's go to John 6, 14 and 15. And I'm, I'm, I mean, he was immovable politically, socially, and spiritually. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet that we have been expecting. Look at the next verse. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by what? By himself. Most of us, if they wanted to make us king, I brought this up last week, we would not be slipping off into the hills, huh? We'd say, man, God is speaking to these people. I knew I didn't belong to this culture. I knew I was of royal blood. I always knew it. I was adopted. I really am royal blood. Or, no, this is my family, but they didn't know of all of them. I am the royal blood. I, I'm going to be king. Jesus wasn't here to do that. He was immovable in his focus, and so should you be. Immovable. Dad's been talking lately, you know, about nights of prayer and us praying more as a church, and there's a wave of the Spirit falling on us as a church to pray more. And I like what Dad told me. It just became such a revelation to me. We had a meeting a couple weeks ago, and Dad said, you know, prayer's never convenient. Have you ever noticed that? I'm like, man, you're right. You try to get, hey, guys, let's get together and pray tonight. Oh, man, you know, it's... um, It's Sunday. I mean, we had church. We can't. Okay. All right. How about Monday? No, it's Monday night football. I mean, you know, whatever. Or man, I got to go. No, I got an appointment. Or let's, how about this day? No, that's, no, that's that day. I mean, I can't. Prayer's never convenient. Have you guys noticed that? Let's be real with each other today. Let's be honest. But I love how Jesus has always been so immovable about what he wanted to achieve and accomplish. And we need to be that way with prayer just like Jesus. We need to be that way in our walk with God. Hey, ups and downs are understandable, meaning you've gone through, man, you're at the top of the mountain. Oh, you can see the enemy coming from miles away. Everything's great. It's wonderful. You just got to raise. God is with you. You know it. But man, down in the valley, the sun sets earlier. The sun rises later. It's hard down there. But guess what? In the valley, somebody told me years ago, that's the only place where fruit grows. They don't grow avocados on the top of a mountain. They don't. Even scientifically, there's patches of cool air in these valleys. Even in California, you've got to have avocados down in the valley or on the side, little areas on the side of the lower part of the mountains because it's got to be a right temperature, like 72 degrees or something interesting like that. You grow fruit in the valley when you can't always see the sunlight. You grow fruit in the valley when sometimes you're slogging through the river trying to cross. You grow fruit in the valley where you say, man, I'm going to be immovable like Jesus. I can make it. I can do it. Somebody in here, somebody say, I can, I can make it. Come on. Somebody say, I will make it. Go ahead. Say somebody. Somebody in this room say, I will make it. Yeah. If Jesus died on the cross for you, you can do whatever he's called you to do. And he was immovable in it. Hmm. World events, they didn't shake him. He knew stuff. I love the parable of the rock. He said, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. When the rains came, you know, the, the sand that was beneath that house, it washed away, and the house was just carried away. But the house that's built upon a rock, see, he is the rock of our salvation. That's what Scripture says. I believe that's in Psalms. The rock of our salvation. Jesus, one Scripture He's referring to himself. He calls himself the Greek word is Petra. Petra is <clears throat> bedrock. That is the rock beneath you, man. It's not going anywhere. It's there until the end of time till God is done with his earth. It is immovable. It's there. Now we need to be like Jesus about certain things. Not that you can't change your mind about some stuff, but scripture says Hebrews 13:8 Jesus the same yesterday, today and forever. Is that important to you? That's important to me, man. Because I wake up tonight or tomorrow or the next day and say, man, he still loves me. He's still with me. The blood of Jesus that he shed, that's forever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus didn't do anything that wasn't part of his divine plan on earth. And I love that about him. Immovable. Immovable. So powerful. Let's go to Luke 13, 31. You're going to, I want you to see this reference before you see my point, because you're going to go, where is Pastor Matt going with this? At that time, some Pharisees said to him, get away from here if you want to live. Herod Antipas wants to kill you. Jesus replied, you go tell that fox that I will keep on casting out demons and healing people today, And tomorrow and the third day I will accomplish my purpose. Yes, today, tomorrow, and the next day I must proceed on my way. For it wouldn't do for a prophet of, look how brave he is of God to be killed except in Jerusalem. Basically, Herod can't touch me. I'm going to Jerusalem. I know where I got to die. I'm not going to get caught out here and killed by an arrow or a, a raiding party or the Imperial Guard or Go tell that fox that I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, and I'm going to do it in my own time frame, and my own schedule. Jesus, point three today, was fearless. I love that. This ties into immovable, but at the same time, he wasn't scared of the king. And I love that he didn't disrespect the king. He kind of gave him a backhanded compliment. He said, you go tell that fox. He said, that schemer. He didn't dishonor him, though, did he? Didn't talk bad about him. Kind of get Herod might have thought that was a compliment. I remember in the '80s, if you were a foxy woman, you were attractive. Do y'all remember that? Some of y'all, some of y'all are like, "What?" That's what they said. Oh man, she's a fox. Remember some of my uncles talk like that. I said, "Foxy, huh? Are foxes attractive?" Just things you wonder about. Things that make you wonder. But yeah, a fox. Or he's a fox? I don't know. But Jesus said, go tell that fox. He wasn't afraid of Herod. So here's my next question. Was he scared of demons? Oh, he had some situations that if we tried to reenact those, they would be horrific and scary. You remember the gentleman? They call him the Gadarene, or it's Gadarene, or the country of the Gerasenes off the Sea of Galilee there. They're getting out of the boat, Jesus and his disciples, and there's a demoniac running up to them. Saying, don't torture me before the time, son of God. And Jesus says, what's your name? And he says, I am legion. Legion in the Roman army was three to 5,000 soldiers. He's saying, I don't know if he was lying, but he said, there's thousands of us in here. We are many. Some of y'all would have been like, I could have handled one demon, but thousands, bye. Guys, get back in the boat. We're stopped at the wrong place. This is a house of horrors. They got demon-possessed people on the shore greeting us. That's the welcoming party. Bye. Okay, bye. I knew one guy said bye. We need to hang up. Bye, bye, bye. Okay, bye, 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 bye. Bye. And this was a scary dude. I I have the message written out about him and his story and how powerful that was and the spiritual parallels in our lives and even the demoniac. Not that we were all possessed by thousands of demons, but that guy's life was crazy how Jesus liberated him. Jesus was not afraid. He wasn't afraid of Herod. He wasn't afraid of demons. And here's what I love. The political and religious leaders of the day, they would show up and start trying to mess up his meetings and try to trap him. And he always had an answer for them. I was thinking of that this morning when thinking about Jesus. Man, he always had a good answer. I want to be like that. I bet John wants to be like that. He deals politically. Right? You always have an answer for somebody, no matter what. They try to trap you. Hey, master, um, teacher, should we pay taxes? They're all, hmm, maybe we can get him in trouble with the Romans. What did Jesus say? He said, give unto Caesar those things that are Caesar's. Give unto God those things that are God's. Jaw drop. (sighs) Jaw drop. Another time, I brought this up last week. This is an important one. The Pharisees bring a woman. Talk about mistreating women. They bring a woman. She was caught in adultery. And I know in our simple minds, my simple mind, you say, well, where's the man? I've always wondered that my whole life. Well, in... Scripture explains Scripture, and you study the historical background of this. They were seeing that he was being good to women. He was seen talking to women in public, and he shouldn't have been doing that according to their law, not God's law. So they brought a woman to him, and then they said, we're going to test his godhood. If he's really God, he's going to stone her. What would we have done? I mean, oh my goodness. He's, Jesus is trapped. They said, look, she was caught in the very act of adultery, teacher do something he started writing in the sand we still don't know what he was writing if it was their sin if it was the law if it was their secrets i have no idea what he was doing I, man i really want to know what he was writing. <laughs> i don't need to know obviously it's not in scripture but i'd really like to know what he was writing then he stands up and tells him you know what Whoever is without sin among you, let him go ahead and cast the first stone. Another jaw drop. <coughs> their jaws are dropping so much their teeth are breaking now. They're, like jaws are just dropping like in the cartoons. You remember seeing a jaw drop in cartoons? <coughs> that always made me laugh. The wolf or some cartoon character, his mouth, would, his jaw would drop and hit the floor. Whoever is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. From the youngest to the oldest, they backed up and left. Oops. Oops. Fearless. Say, man, he was starting trouble. He w- yeah, he was. He was starting trouble, but a lot of the time, he was stirring the pot, but people would come and try to mess up his meetings and call him out and debate him publicly. That was so interesting. And he never lost one undefeated heavyweight champion of the world. I don't know if he was a heavyweight in physical form. But he was undefeated. Couldn't touch him. Couldn't touch him. And he was locked. See, I don't know if you saw. One author refers to Jesus as the divine warrior. Because from his birth, he was locked in. The video game stole it from literature. He was locked in mortal combat, meaning physical, spiritual, day-to-day, head-to-head combat with Satan from his birth. And he was fearless. Satan knew who he was. He saw the announcement. He's aware of the spirit realm. Demons knew. And they tried to stop him, and he was in combat. Can you imagine? 33 years straight. And couldn't, couldn't get beaten. Had the right answers. When Satan tempted him, he was unafraid, and he answered him with Scripture. That's going to help you in your, your situations. Answer the enemy with Scripture. Don't try to come up with something. Answer him with Scripture Look, Google it if you have to, look in your Bible app, look in your Bible, answer him. Man, I'm afraid. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Oh, the devil's scary. I'm, I'm, No, uh uh-uh. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. Oh, man, I don't know how to fight back. He's given me the full armor of God. You've got all this stuff. Man, I don't know how I'm going to make it or how I'm going to stand. Having done all to stand, just stand. Man, I don't know where to go from here. Scripture says the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. There's an answer for everything in Scripture. Every single thing you can think of, there's an answer in Scripture. And Jesus, he was fearless because of it. He knew he was the word made flesh, and he answered according to the word. So headlines, crises, events, they still don't scare him. When we freak out, he's still not freaked out. He's fearless. I love this point. This is my last point. This morning. I love this point, and that is truthful. Jesus said in John 14:6, look at what he said about himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not a way or a truth or a part of the truth or a part of the life. No, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He lovingly, firmly told the truth. Always. Always. You want to get to know God more? Do the basics. I encourage you as your pastor this morning. This Sunday morning in church, do the basics. Talk to God through prayer and read the Word. Do the basics. I know there's five things we do as Christians, but you start with the Word and prayer. Start with the Word and prayer. It's so basic. It's so basic. Sometimes it's so basic we overlook it. It's like someone saying, I'm going to go compete in a race, but I'm not going to train. I'm quick enough, so I'm just going to go with my ability. I can, I can beat them, but they don't practice and train every day. No, if you ever l- study the lives of Olympic athletes? They go back to training. As soon as the Olympics is over, they're getting ready for the next Olympics if they're going to be young enough or strong enough to still compete. You're going to see some winners from America and from around the world in these Olympics. What is that, 2020? And they, they've been training for years. Some of them have been training since they were 13, and now their moment to shine is 20 or 21. The truthful God you serve, the truthful Jesus, said, Let no one deceive you. He said, Behold, he said, I'm gonna come like a thief in the night. He's giving warnings, he's giving wisdom, he's giving truth. Be ready. One of Jesus' life messages was be ready. Be ready. And I believe the only way you can be ready is to know God now. That's something that we say as a church. We believe it as a church, knowing God now. You need to know who God for who he is right now. Not for what he's done in your past. Hey, that's great. That's part of his track record. But you need to have a relationship with him right now with the, the way, the truth, and the life. He's always speaking truth in life. You get to know God now as you read the word and you pray. You get to know Him and He reveals steps to you. I know everybody in this room has gone through stuff this year. There's been jobs lost and found. There's been family members maybe injured. There's been, maybe you've lost loved ones. You've been through stuff. We've been through stuff. We're going through stuff right now, but you cling to Jesus like never before. My wife and I, that's one thing that we always do. We always go back and say, man, we're going to hold on to God and we're going to hold on to each other. Sometimes you feel so weak you can't even hold on to him. He's just holding on to you, man, is what we've said. But fall in love with the truth of what he told you. Why am I saying all this? Because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus himself. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I am with you always. He also said things like, go and tell. He also said things like, I'll be back. Uh (laughs) He also said things like, I go to prepare a place for you. I feel like there's a prophetic element to this message this morning because there's some things that I would have never even thought of, but God wants you to hear today. Be comforted. Be encouraged. Once you've accepted Jesus, he is with you forever. Somebody raise their hand. How about everybody in this house? Raise one of your hands. I don't care which one, but raise a hand. Say, God is with me. He is mighty to save. He is the rock of my salvation. I will not turn. I will not look back. I will not doubt. I will move forward. I will follow his lead. I'm a child of God. And I am, I've been created for this moment in time. I've been created for today. I've been created for right now. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes today, if you would, please. Is there anybody in this house who says, man, Pastor Matt, I just need to accept Jesus and make him the Lord of my life. If that's you today, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. You say, I've never accepted Jesus. I just want to, I want to get right with God. Just raise your hand. That's first and foremost. That's so important. Okay, it looks like everybody in the house has accepted Jesus and made him their Lord. Now I want everybody to look up right where you're seated. If you say, if you say, I want to get to know Jesus like his disciples did when he was on earth. I want to get to know the God of my salvation. I want to get to know the rock of my salvation, my redeemer, my provider, my rescuer, the God who hears me. If you say today, I really want to get to know him like never before. I realize we're all believers in this house. I want you to come to the altar and make a public commitment. Say, God, I'm going on with you. I'm moving on with you. You have things for me. I'm going to step into them. Go ahead. Come on up to this this altar facing the altar there. There you go. All you're saying is, man, I, I need God like, I need God more than ever before. I need Him now more than ever. God is with you, Charles. God is with you. God is with you. You say, man, you know what? I just, I want to be closer to Him. I want to get to know Him. I want to hear His words. I want to spend time with Him. Well, you are at the right place at the right time. God has a perfect, 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 flawless plan for you. We're flawed. We go through junk. We go through stuff, and you, man, we mess up, and things aren't just right. But his plan is perfect because he's perfect, and he's bringing you to maturity. He is bringing you to maturity today. If we feel led today, Pastor Jenner myself will touch you, lay hands on you today. But I want you to hear me. I want you to just re-surrender your life at this altar today. It's that simple. That's what you're doing. You say, God, I surrender all, like the old song says. Lord, I surrender all. I surrender all, God. Cleanse me, forgive me, but God, show me your plan. God, speak to me through your word. God, speak to me through prayer. God, be with me, Lord. Be with me, Lord. Right where you are, we're going to take some time. Thank you, God. Right where you are, just take some time with the Lord. Just take some time with the Lord right where you are. In Jesus' name. As I touch you, you know that I'm agreeing with you. As I touch you, you know that I'm believing for exactly what you were believing for for your life oh yeah because his plans for you are perfect we mess up but god doesn't say man why did he choose me scripture says does the clay ask the potter what are you making oh no he has something amazing for us something amazing for you and it's your time It's your time. Just continue to pray. Continue to worship the Lord today. He's doing something in your life. He's doing something in your life. It's fresh. It's new. It's different from what He's done before. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just take your time. Take your time at this altar. Take your time at this altar. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, God. Excuse me. Take your time. God is working in your hearts. Just take your time. This is what they call a holy moment. It's special. It's different. It's unique. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. We just bless your name today, God. We trust you. We trust you, God. Let me touch you right here. Let me just touch you. In Jesus' name, I agree with what you're praying for. I agree with what you're praying for. In Jesus' name. I believe, I agree, Father, I agree. I agree with you, whatever you're believing God for. Now here's the word for your life today. I want you to look at me. The word for your life today, and this is the truth from God. It's from his word. He said, seek me while I may be found. Scripture says those that draw close to the Lord, he draws close to them. So you push in. One of the phrases that we've heard a lot in the recent years is you lean in. You just take time with God. It's that simple. Keep getting close to God. Keep getting close to God. Here you are at church, but keep getting close to God throughout the week, praying and talking to God. Don't wait till Sunday to pray. Pray throughout the week. Talk to God. You are children of God. And here's what God has for you. He's going to begin to, I declare this over you, He's going to begin to speak to you like you've never been spoken to before. You've never heard some of these things that He's going to tell you. He's going to remind you. Some are going to be simple. Some are going to be deeper than others. But God, I believe, God is going to begin to speak to you. There's a wave of prayer coming over this church. It's already here. And He's going to begin to speak to you like never before. You're going to see it. Just make sure that your ears are perked up. And you're listening. You ever seen...